The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The following podcast contains explicit language. What are you guys doing here? What's happening? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we, um, I got this call the other day from Ari, and he said something about, could I come to New York to be part of your last show? And so he said, Marilyn would be calling me. (laughs) So that's that's great. And I said, well, I got to bring her two little sisters here. So I pulled them out of school today so they could see this podcast. And then Z, of course, I touched base with her. And so here we are. So this is our very last episode of Represent. I know. It's me, Aisha Harris, <laughs> your host, <laughs> and also Verlyn Williams, hey. our producer. Yes. And also Marissa Martinelli, our social media manager. Hi, Aisha. Hey. Our listeners can't tell, but I'm like definitely on the verge of tears right now. Oh, wow. okay. <laughs> Let's not do this. <laughs> I was, just, I was, I, I, yes, I've, Verlyn has been on a quest to make me cry. Yep. I'm a casualty. <laughs> I'm an innocent bystander who's been sucked in. And it's funny because I guess, like, I am not the most emotive person, if you know me. <laughs> um, even even at the meeting that we had today, the edit meeting, that was sort of my send-off at Slate, Forrest, I think, said something like, we wanted to make you cry. We were the- almost there, and they almost didn't make me cry, but... Then Verlin really did make me cry <laughs> just a few minutes ago <laughs> when so that voice you heard at the top of the show is actually my father and I did not know he was going to be here <laughs> and I walked into the studio ready to record this last episode and there's my dad <laughs> and my sister your dad and all three of the sisters and all three of my sisters <laughs> he pulled two of them out of school <laughs> so and so Verlin why was my dad here well. I remember one of the first um, recordings that we did. You, when we, I think we like had a meeting about the first show, and one of the things that you mentioned was that your dad gave you feedback on you saying too many ums and ahs or likes so or whatever. And I remember thinking. Because, you know, anytime a woman speaks, you always get those emails, right? <laughs> yes. Like, you guys say too many ums. And then you, it's like, whatever. It becomes white noise. But I think because it was your dad, I took it to heart a little bit more. Maybe I, I just asked you if you remember saying that. And you're like, mm, kind of. And he's a journalist. So and he's, he's a journalist. From yeah. a professional standpoint rather right. than just a listener who's mad. Yeah. And right. he cares about you, right? He's not saying it because you know he's and wants to be an annoying person he's saying it because he wants you to win and um so i thought it would be great if you know for the last episode he comes back <laughs> well he'll come on the show of one yeah. for the first time ever um but and also kind of reflect on the work that you've been doing here i'm at slate for the last six years and on this show for almost two years yeah so here's a conversation with my father so I get to be on your show, along with all those famous people. <laughs> so 
This is my dad. <laughs> Hi, dad. Hi, dear. You're, you came all the way from Connecticut to Brooklyn. Yes, I did. I didn't know you were going to be here. No, <laughs> my dad is Frank Harris III. He is a writer, a, just like I am, so it runs in the family. He is a op-ed columnist for the Hartford Current and also a professor of journalism at Southern Connecticut State University. Thanks for being here. Oh, you're welcome. You got that all right, dear. I, I know what you do. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, it's really a pleasure to be here uh, with you. I've never done a show with you before, and um, it, it's kind of, um, you know, I, as, when I was told, you know, kind of like to surprise you here, I was thinking back to the days when you were a young girl and I'd come home and I'd do the chalkboard and we'd do the writing on the chalkboard and you learn how to read and, you know, different words and so forth. And, you know, it really, it's really, really great, you know, for dad to see his oldest daughter, you know, come out and do so many great things. It's, it's really, I'm very proud of you. And it's been a joy just watching you grow up and do all of these different things here. It's great. Yeah. Uh, oh, there I go with the uh. <laughs> so funny story. The The first time, maybe, I, I'm assuming this is based off of the first episode, maybe. But you, Dad, you you like to give me advice a lot. Yes, um, and moms tend to do that. So Well, yeah. you more so than mom. Okay. Right. <laughs> you give a lot of advice. And often it's unsolicited. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I appreciated the advice that you gave about filler, filler words after listening to the podcast and I took it to heart, the the us which still they still find their way in anyway, but I think I'm much more conscious of that. And Verilyn also, I think, probably cuts some of them out. <laughs> so that's great. It's always great to have a good editor. So I... Uh, there you go. Uh, see? <laughs> but, well, the, 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 I did it too. And that's the, the point, though, I know is that, I mean, I've always been primarily print. So when I interviewed people, it was not really something where people would hear me asking the question. I'm just writing the story. Right. But once I started doing some film and, and some and editing that, I had to be more conscious about even though you can still edit it out, it's a lot easier when you don't have to edit out and and it flows better that way. So I don't expect that you will have all the us any more than I will out of it but i think if you're conscious of it it, it's it can be helpful speaking of film do you want to plug the project you're working on right now sure why not (laughs) (laughs) well one of the things that i'm doing is um which many people do not know is that uh, 2019 will mark the 400th anniversary of the first africans brought to america as slaves and I've recognized this for the last few years. And when I was doing another project on the N-Word, I would ask people that question. Uh, how do you think America should observe this anniversary coming up? It'll be August 2019. I've had a number of people come up and tell me, well, it's not. There were Africans here before that, and I'm aware of that. They may have also been slaves. But I, this is the date that has always been told to us or been recognized, uh, 1619 Jamestown. So I've been interviewing people, and I interspersed that with some research that I've done and images, and I 
put sound in it. And right now I have very short clips, almost like promotional clips, in which I'm, I'm trying to just get the word out and see how we should observe this day. And um, what for America, for black people, for the whole nation, I think it's something that should not go by unrecognized. Well, I look forward to seeing how we talk about that. And it's interesting because I didn't really become involved in, in type of in filming and editing and and doing that type of stuff. I was primarily print, but it's a great way to tell a story. And I think that's what I enjoy doing most, which I, which you enjoy doing most, is telling stories. And uh, as I said, I'm really proud of you, Aisha Nefertiti. Um, people know your middle name is Nefertiti. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but... but uh, <laughs> Yes, it's it's been great, dear. So I wish you much luck at the at the New York Times and uh, yeah, continued success. Um, I did have one question I wanted. So just now we had a a, a meeting where one of the questions people asked Aisha was, "How do you? What's something that you get tired of talking about?" And she said, "Representation," <laughs> even though that's something she's really passionate about. So I guess, do you have any advice for her as someone that also is a student of history and you're doing this documentary and still kind of you know, racism, slavery. These are all things we have to reckon with every single day. Um, so do you have any advice for her as she goes off and continues covering representation in the media? Well, I don't know if it's advice or not, but I mean, it's, uh, why are you tired of, of uh, having conversations about it? Oh, it just gets tiresome sometimes because, <clears throat> like, it's not all, yes, I'm black and I'm a woman, uh, but those aren't. I see. So you, it's so, not. So some of you become typecast in terms of talking. Is yeah, it becomes typecasting. It's the it's the thing everyone you know outside of Slate wants me to talk about when I go to talk about it. And it is also just I do get tired of when I watch things, always feeling like I have to pick out is 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 this doing the right thing in terms of representation? Is this. Well, you kind of carved out a niche in this. And, I know. Uh, so you <laughs> kind of like brought this on that. yourself. I, I think, I, I think. I mean, I, I get the thing where people will, will actually get tired of hearing me write about race or what have you, and, and that's something that, uh, that, that will, it will continue as long as you do what you're doing unless you stop doing what you're doing. And I think what you're doing is great. And of course, you're going to get tired of, and, and you might want to do something different. So you have to expand and find a way to still do this, but do it in a way that may cover different parameters in different ways. I guess what I need to do is maybe not save some brain space for the non uh race or gender or anything else related things. Well, I think it's always a good idea. I mean, when I when I used to, when I was writing my column for the for the register, I was doing it for the New Haven Register every week. I I would uh, I there's a point when I say I can't write about race every week. It will tire me out. I mean, it will it's not everything I'm all about. I write about other I live other things. It's not something I go to bed thinking about and dreaming about. It is a reality, but and I started writing. I, that's when I I wrote about you all growing up. I wrote about Zakia. You <laughs> yes, know, you did. I, I wrote about your mom who didn't really like it too much. <laughs> you know? But and it was funny stuff, and and people were were enjoying it, and I enjoyed doing it too. So I think it's uh, there, you just have to find other things so you can kind of breathe a little bit 
without that, and, but it's still important to do what I think you're doing um, and sometimes just uh, take a break and do other things. So. Thanks, Dad. Love you. I love you too, dear. Very much. Thank you. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. So that was my dad. I I cried. <laughs> but I'm better now. And we decided for this last episode, in addition, I guess, to having my, my relatives on the show, <laughs> that we would bring back some old favorites. And luckily, Verilyn, you were able to get three very busy people. Yes. So as regular listeners know, um, we do... Uh, a regular quiz with our cast of amazing media thinkers, um, Tiffany Vasquez, Antonia Sarahito, and Alice Jung. And um, and I text all three of them and asked them if they could do it on a Thursday. And they all said yes. And it was like, I was su- surprisingly shocked. This really speaks to everyone's love for Aisha. Aww. And, you know, just like the zealousness with which I was able to pull that together. I feel like I should get a producer award for that. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Thank I would nominate Verily for that <laughs> So, yeah. So here is the, here is our final quiz. So we have come to the end of an era. Are we going to play Boys to Men? <laughs> The end of the road. We totally should. Andrew, you should lead that in. The end of the road. I wish we had some liquor in here to pour out. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'm I'm sad to sad to be here, but I'm also really happy that you all came here in the studio right now. We have the return of three of our some of our favorite represent frequent flyers frequent appears <laughs> <laughs> frequent guests um to my right i have alex jung hello alex hi <laughs> alex it's great to have you on alex is a staff writer at new york mag slash vulture and you just cover all the things and you get great interviews and it's wonderful thank you mm-hmm. i'm it's very bittersweet to be here yeah and directly across from me is antonia Sarahito. Hey. Hello. <laughs> you are a fabulous producer at Latino USA and you are ju- you were just talking about being in this very deep hole of news reporting. We won't talk about it, but No, this is my break. <laughs> this is your Please, break. Please no serious news. Thank you. Oh, believe me. <laughs> this quiz cuz there is a quiz is not going to be serious. <laughs> <laughs> at all. <laughs> And to my left, I have Tiffany Vasquez. Hello. Hello. It's great to have you on. Great you to be are here. a senior content manager of film at Giphy. Mm-hmm. And you were, we were just talking about how you're creating lots of content related to the Pusha T Drake controversy. That's right. <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of sad Drake gifts. <laughs> I'm sure those are like abundant. No. Oh, those have always been rampant. But <laughs> now it's just like extra. But yeah, as I mentioned. We have a quiz, so let's get to it. And I'll just pick this randomly, uh, like 
no no favorites, no whatever. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're gonna I make this like easier. It's, always fixed. <laughs> it's rigged. It's rigged. <laughs> Marilyn is pointing at Tiffany first. <laughs> so I will do Tiffany first. <laughs> Since Tiffany, you Here are we go. You are noted uh, for my quizzes of not no not, not doing well at all. Not doing well, <laughs> but. You know, this is a shorter quiz, and I, I think you might you might get this. So okay. we'll see. We'll see. All right. So we'll start with you. Mm-hmm. We'll go around to each person. You'll each get two questions. So, Tiffany, <clears throat> these are all multiple choice, by the way. Which of these famous overbearing slash abusive fathers is not referenced in the Teddy Perkins episode of Atlanta? A, Joe Jackson, dad of Michael. B, Marvin Gaye Sr., dad of Marvin. C, Mr. Clark, the dad who drops off Emilio Estevez in The Breakfast Club? Or D, Mr. Perry, dad of Neil in Dead Poet Society? The last one. Is that right? That is correct. Yay! Yay! I watched that episode three times. I was like, (laughs) I better get this. (laughs) I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Yay. Ask more Atlanta questions. (laughs) Yes. uh, For those who are not familiar, the Teddy Perkins episode of Atlanta was this past season. Um, It was, I mean, the whole season is bizarre, but it was probably the weirdest in which Donald Glover plays a hybrid of like Michael Jackson and... uh, a character from Get Out um, <laughs> and lives in a mansion and talks about, I, I don't even know how to explain it. Just suffice it to say that there's white face, mm-hmm. <laughs> not black face, white face and, and weird vibes and murder and Ooh. Lakeith Stanfield just being Lakeith. Great. Mm-hmm. And, it's yeah, so just good. Being I haven't fantastic. seen the season yet. I need to. Fail. It's I know. Amazing. No, it is a problem. <laughs> well, you're lucky you didn't get the I know. I'm like, whoop. <laughs> All right. Would you have gotten it? Yes. All right. <laughs> Antonia, okay. this one's for you. Which of these quotes is not from the movie Book Club? Have you seen Book Club? No. <laughs> Good luck. All right. Book Club is a delightful, delightfully... <laughs> Not that great, but like very fun movie that recently came out. It stars a bunch of fabulous older actresses, including Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen, Mary Steenbergen, and why am I blanking? Oh, of course, Diane Keaton. And it's all about their love lives and trying to find love, but also doing a having a book club uh, that meets every month. And this month, they decide to choose Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, so, oh my yes. god, this sounds like a great movie. It's it's really. It's, <laughs> I wish I had seen it. <laughs> I mean, apparently okay. it's still playing as of this recording in theaters, so you should go check it out. But anyway. Okay, here we go. Like I asked before, which of these quotes is not from the movie Book Club? A, he's cute, straight, and we've known him for 10 years. Haven't we all had sex with Danny? B, a lumberjack is happiest when he has wood. C, it sounds like we have a lethargic pussy on our hands. Or D, I don't sleep with people I like. You know that. I gave that up in the 90s. So which of those quotes is not okay. from Book Club? <laughs> I'm so glad you got this one. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to go with A. That is correct. What? Wow. <laughs> that is correct. That is actually a quote from Sex in the City, uh, which is, oh. which I was thinking of the entire time because there's so many bad puns in in Book Club that remind me of Sex in the City, except just with uh, slightly older actresses. It's just great. Um, so yes, everyone should watch that for all of those great. Was Danny the modelizer? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. If I remember correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
All right, Alex, mm. on to you. When did Brooklyn Nine-Nine's Rosa Diaz first realize she was bisexual? A, while watching Boy Meets World, she thought, Sean Hunter is hot. And then she thought, Angela Moore, also hot. B, while watching Saved by the Bell, she thought, Zach Morris is hot. And then she thought, Lisa Turtle, also hot. C, while watching High School Musical, she thought, Troy Bolton is hot. And then she thought, <laughs> Gabriela Montez, also hot. <laughs> or D, while watching 90210, she thought, Brandon Walsh is hot. And then she thought, Brenda Walsh, also hot. Um, I'm going to go with B. That is correct. Woo! Yes, Reza Diaz discovered she was bisexual while watching Saved by the Bell and mm. realizing that she had a thing for Lisa Turtle as well as Zach Morris. But we who love that didn't? Show. <laughs> like Lisa Turtle is the most gorgeous. I wanted to be her. Yeah. So three for three. Are, are they getting better? Or are you getting you know weaker? <laughs> huh? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> now to be fair, it was lucky that Tiffany got the. Yeah. It, I was. I was going to say the same exact thing. That was straight luck that you happen to pick the only show I really, really watch <laughs> and dissect. And I didn't know that ahead of time. So there we go. My questions are still challenging I think <laughs> or at least i'll convince myself yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right this next round is well you'll, you'll see you'll get it in fact i think the last time it was similar to this <clears throat> tiffany should roseanne have been canceled or nah a yes b no and explain <laughs> <laughs> uh yes because people need to be held accountable for being terrible be- human beings and I'm done with the whole separating art from person, especially when politics goes so much hand in hand with creating art, specifically this show. We will accept that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 I just don't understand why it took ABC so long to do that, because that was like, you know, not even the. No, I mean, it was among the worst, but she said so many other terrible things. Right, for so long. For so long. And And it sucks because growing up, Roseanne was, and and until this reboot, continued to be one of my very favorite shows. I thought Mm -hmm. it really did so much and was so progressive in so many ways. And then everything's just flipped upside down. And now the other episodes just sort of mean nothing to me now. And that, like, hurts for people who are just so... When you're raised by media, like a lot of us are, mm-hmm. that sort of hurts. But yeah. but goodbye, honestly. There are new creators creating new things, and that there's going to be new great voices that will not say things like that. So Yeah. I think also this is like a very strong case for not bringing back old shows. Mm-hmm. I'm so over this whole I'm reboot thing. Yeah. Also, it's, yes. it's, uh, totally. All right. Antonia? Okay. Was Killmonger right or not? <laughs> a, yes. Or B, no. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. This is from Black Panther, right? Oh my god, have you I'm not having. Seen Black I have seen Black Panther. I have seen Black Panther, but I'm really like action movies are really hard for me to keep track. Like I, so I remember the story. Sorry, I feel so embarrassed. We right might now. not be three for three. Okay, no, no, no. Okay, so Killmonger comes and helps the Black Panther, even though it seems like he won't. Isn't there like a? <laughs> What happened again? Boy. <laughs> no, so Killmonger is, is everyone's favorite bae, Michael B. Jordan. And he's oh my God. the villain. Okay, I'm getting them mixed up. <laughs> he's the quote unquote villain. I forgot that he was Killmonger. <laughs> I'm really bad with names. 
<laughs> it was a hashtag. Listen, I just, the entire movie, I was just like, it's Michael B. Jordan with like weird things on his arms and he's still hot. That was like the vibe. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was the vibe. That was the vibe. That was my Not experience wrong. of Black Panther. I was like, he still looks good even though he has a weird like arm defect. I don't know. <laughs> Um, it was, was all over his body, yeah. not just his arm. Was he right or not? This is a, I think this is a harder question than the Roseanne one, and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel yeah. like, I feel like the, the answer is pretty clear, but maybe it, that's yeah. just me. <laughs> We're saying that it, he was he right to... It was his philosophy, right? Which is that, like... We can't be. We have to like have more globalistic view, right? No, he wanted to kill the the white people. <laughs> well, he meant globalistic. I think like in terms of black people. I actually do think this answer is much more complicated. It is. It is. <laughs> too. He, he just believed in like it is. Yes, it is complicated. But he believed that if Wakanda had all these resources to um, thrive as a nation, but seclude themselves and not help their own people outside of Wakanda, that he just didn't believe in that, and he thought in turn and so many people have been oppressed at the hands of the colonizers because yeah. they didn't have those resources Understood. but specifically so, so that they about, should arm yeah and they should weaponize that but to, to weaponize vibranium mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah so i mean he takes it another step mm-hmm. further right? right in terms of like kind okay. of like armed resistance essentially which i think is a complicated question. it is a complicated no, no, it is. Is. i mean i okay yes sorry <laughs> It's like the Malcolm Martin. Okay, can I tell you the other thing that was happening while I was watching Black Panther, which is I went to go see it in Harlem, and there were like people in the like stairwell. It was so packed, and the there was like we saw. My boyfriend's a comedian, and he has actually a joke that he did about this. We saw like an Amber Alert in person. There was a point where someone went to the front of the screen and goes, "There's a missing child here, a missing child," (laughs) and one lady literally yelled out, "It's not the time for that." And we all went back to watching the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So it was like a really intense experience for me, the entire viewing process. And I feel very bad that I don't. I like really do just remember that like the outfits were cool. You should Um, change this question to was the lady in the audience right (laughs) in saying, was it really the time for that or not? (laughs) It was not the time for that. But, but also, when okay. is the time to find a missing child? <laughs> no, no, you're right. It totally was the time for that. But it was... <laughs> oh my point God. is, I do think the I do think the Wakandans should share their resources across the world. So yes, okay. he was right in that respect. Okay, I will accept. I'm that. not in favor of violence, although I, I guess there are some exceptions. So well, sometimes you have to enact violence in order to get anything done. But yeah, but see, you I, are asking me a really hard question. No, I know. Okay. <laughs> what is your answer? Yeah, yeah. Well, my answer is basically the same thing. Like, I think the the core of what he's arguing is correct, but that the um, execution of it and the taking it one step further of like let's arm everyone and mass murder everyone is where I draw the line. You That's... draw the line at genocide. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> at the same time. I mean, I, like, yeah, no, I totally understand why that would not work because you're just replacing one thing with another. And also, as much as I love, Kill, well, Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger, he had some Hotep stuff going on there. Very mm-hmm. much. Every, like, he, you only saw him uh, enact, like, direct violence upon black women. That, I was just mm. going to say, his real villainy is just the fact that he never respected a single woman in the whole movie. Mm. Right, right. So that's just... I guess I should have. I guess the question should have been: Is Killmonger dead or not? 
but <laughs> which is a which is also complicated, but maybe a little bit easier. But this is represent, and we like to have layers. <laughs> there are levels to this shit. All right, <laughs> sorry, Antonia. It's okay. I don't know if I got that point though. <laughs> We'll give it to you. Okay. This might also be complicated. (laughs) Sorry. Wow, I Uh, think that you're favoring someone at the table. You mean the person who usually loses? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you're trying. (laughs) I'm really not. You're trying to like. It's literally the way you all have sat. I'm feeling blessed in that all of these questions so far. Well, no, most of these questions so far are things that I'm really uh, like digested a lot like i just watched black panther for the fourth time last week so i've thought about this again i think aisha is redistributing <laughs> the points to create a more <laughs> well maybe maybe that's okay maybe we should all be okay with that yeah i Let's think so i think you have no choice all right alex <clears throat> is lando pansexual or not oh a yes yes B, no yeah you're in space okay <laughs> You're going to be fucking everybody in space, right? There are different species. Like, do different species even have, like, genders? Lando from from who? Oh, sorry. This is Lando Lando Carlesian from Solo, A Star Wars Story. Um, And Donald Glover says that he played the character as pansexual. Um, But Was that how it came about? I thought... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not that... The character doesn't say, I'm pansexual. It's just Donald Glover is like, he's pansexual. So, so it it is it does do a complicated, annoying thing where like people will say that this character is gay or queer, but then you don't actually see anything gay or queer on screen, which I agree we should like that should be addressed or in some way, but you know like just strictly to your question, yeah, of course he is. If he likes to, if he likes sex and he lives in space, he's pansexual. We probably all are. <laughs> This is true. I I did appreciate his whatever it romance or even if it wasn't a romance just the affection he had towards L3 who is the droid his like droid partner mm-hmm. played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge who many people will know from the excellent show Fleabag. When is that coming back? I don't know. Um and also she created uh Killing Eve. We stand. Oh, so fantastic. Um, but anyway, the L3 Lando relationship in Solo, uh, I thought was really fascinating. And I also love that L3 was like a, uh, I don't want to call her a social justice warrior, but she kind of was. Hmm. It was great. Have you seen it? No. Oh. <laughs> I can tell. But I, I, have like, a, <laughs> but I have a very strong opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yes, that was like the one one highlight of a movie that didn't need to exist. <laughs> <sighs> so that is my my last quiz for you guys. I hey Aisha, I don't know if you can hear that, but um, that's the sound of like the tables turning. And uh, <laughs> Alex, <laughs> Tiffany, and Antonia. Oh, good. I was hoping this would happen. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I thought about it. It's like I don't want to give them work, so like <laughs> I won't ask them to do this, but. Okay, so <laughs> that's, that's your that's that's table, your turn. table turn. Oh, okay. I don't know. That's my. It's that's... In, it's turns in space. <laughs> so yes. each of them have questions for you based on an, uh, a media or something they've discussed on the show. So oh, okay. we'll start with Tiffany. Sure. So we're gonna take it all the way back to the get down. Ooh, what a show I did not finish. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> 
Well, I, I think I got through up to like the third episode of the second half. So like, I got far okay, along. that's yeah, yeah, that's good. I forgot, I forgot about it. I need to go back. Let's go zero for three, you guys. <laughs> I <laughs> think Try. We, this is payback. Okay. <laughs> So in The Get Down, Shamik Moore's character, he, uh, he plays Shaolin Fantastic, who's trying to be a DJ. And he's, um, in order to be, to learn, he really wants to learn from a certain now very legendary hip-hop DJ. Which one is it? Is it DJ Cool Herc? Is it DJ Grandmaster Flash? Or is it Africa Bambata? Ooh, it definitely wasn't Africa Bambata. Wow, weren't Cool Herc and Grandmaster Flash beefing? I seem to recall that being the case. And one of them, like, stole, they had him, like, steal the records. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I think it was Grandmaster Flash. You're right. Oh, damn it. (laughs) I should have have made it harder. Yeah, I should have made it harder. (laughs) I had to think about it. Now I realize how hard it is to make these questions because I can't tell how hard they are. Because, right? I'm going to give seven multiple choice options. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay. Yes. All right. (laughs) Whatever. You'll go last then. (laughs) Antonia. (laughs) Okay. So I thought mine was diabolically hard, but now I'm like, maybe it's not. So, um, you know the movie Coco? Of course I know Coco. Uh, Great film. (laughs) (laughs) So in the land of the dead, there are these like amazing magical flying creatures. What are they called? Is it A, Chapulines? Mm-mm. B, Alebrijes? Three, Esquintles? Alebrijes. I hate you. <laughs> this is so effed up. Please forgive my terrible. Sp- <laughs> no, you even said it right. Yes. But your okay. face, though, you were like, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. No, yeah, she knew it. that. She well, knew that. I, look, I've watched that movie now three times, and I also had to edit, I edited a piece all about. Like all the different things in Coco, so I, I learned a lot from that that whole movie. Okay, you got to bring it home. For all right, us. yeah. All right, I'm gonna try. Counting on you. Okay. Um. So one of I, I think it was my first podcast with you on mm-hmm. this show. Uh, when we talked about voice acting and BoJack Horseman. Yeah, I remember that. And our impact was deep because uh the creator Bob Raphael Waxberg uh listened to the show and then also I think took the note that we were discussing, which was this question of, like, should white actors be voicing people of color? Um, and wh- why is there such a lack of people, of voice actors of color on cartoons and animated shows? So to that end, uh, I think he has tried to address the situation more and more with passing seasons. And so I want to ask you, which of these actors has not done a voice on BoJack Horseman? <sighs> God damn it. <laughs> There's like a yes, thousand Alex. people who have voice Oh, yes, there are, honey. Uh, all right. <laughs> okay. Okay. <clears throat> um, and now there are seven options here. So, <laughs> let her listen out. A, Aparna Nancherla. She has. B, Angela Bassett. C, John Cho. D, Titus Burgess. E, RuPaul. F, Andre Brower. G, Wyatt Snack. And H, Ali Wong. What was C again? Uh, John Cho. I think it's John Cho. Wrong! Oh! <laughs> Wait, was it Ali Wong? No, also wrong. <laughs> Wait, who was it? It was Titus Burgess. 
I could have sworn oh, wow. he was a character on I that. I don't think so. Apparently he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's check some facts here. <laughs> I was going. I was scrolling through IMDb, and so I was trying to like find like the right person who wouldn't have done it. I mean, that was a good, that was yeah. a good person because I could have sworn he he voiced someone on that show, um, and I don't remember who was John Cho. So John Cho did a nothing role. It was basically improv leader. It was when, <laughs> so it was like it was like two, two lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So it it was this was deliberately hard. I well, do. Uh, look, I mean, I, ours were deliberately hard, and she still got them. <laughs> I, I I respect all of your questions. <laughs> yes, great, Alex. Yours, I I bow to you. But you know you. what's also nice about your question is mm. that it really like brings into focus why the show is so amazing, in that it actually had impact mm-hmm. on impact like on a show and right. and them thinking harder about representation. Uh, when making their artistic and creative choices. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. It was really nice of him to, like, admit that right. publicly and, right. and be open about it and really seeming to make those changes. Isn't it amazing when someone listens, takes the note, I and know. moves on? It's it's so, <laughs> so hard to do. And, right. I, like, <laughs> it's so amazing when it happens. Right, right. Well, guys, I, I loved the quiz <laughs> for me because I I'm a big trivia person so I I enjoy like making them as fun but I I actually like playing them more so yeah. I'm glad I got to got to do that Verilyn you trickster <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> all right so I wanted to ask you all like one final question that is not like a quiz there's no trick answers um and this is more just be like the show is leaving which is sad um. And one of the things that I've hoped that the show has done was to, like, introduce people to new things, new uh, shows, new uh, actors, or or even just new genres that they might not have been familiar with before, regardless of whether they just came out or or from the past. Um, So I guess really quickly, I just wanted to ask each of you, like, what's the one thing you're digging right now that you feel is, like, really, like, you connect with it on a representation level. You feel as though it's doing something um, exciting um, or has done something exciting. Just something that you are really like digging into right now, whether it's old or new, um, that you could recommend for listeners to check out. Let's start with Antonia. Okay, I'm actually really excited because there is a show right now that I'm obsessed with, and it's Vida. It's on mm. Stars, and I literally got Stars just to watch it. Um, <laughs> just get them to give you screeners. I know I should. <laughs> um, it's so beautiful. It's the story of two sisters from Boyle Heights, um, one of whom moved away, and the other who has been like sort of, pa- sort of passing in LA, and like goes a lot to the West Side, and they have to come back because their mother passes away, and they take over um, their their mother's bar. And it's just, like, them sort of coming to terms with where they grew up and their relationship with their own Latinidad. But it's – there was one scene in the last episode that I, like, started crying because it the one who's who, like, sort of passes goes to a party on the west side. And she gets there and she hands her, her bag to a cleaning woman. Um, and they, like, have an exchange in Spanish and the woman kind of gives her, like, a knowing look. And then later in the party, like – they break things there's this like guy who's throwing up everywhere and then the the cleaning woman is cleaning things and one of the other uh people at the party was like i feel so bad that she has to clean all this up and then someone else goes well that's why she's here and you just see lynn is the name of the character her face goes 
blank because she feels like she can't say something because if she, she like, anyway it's just this like moment that is so sad and depressing but also is so I think for any Latinos who've ever been in like a white space and see like the cleaning staff that all speak Spanish it's so relatable and I ne- I haven't felt that represented in a scene in a really long time also the cinematography is beautiful and everyone on it is gorgeous and there are all these like really good hot like sex scenes so I highly recommend <laughs> Nice. I have heard so many great things about it, but I haven't gotten a chance to check that out. So I will have to do that. Alex, how about you? I guess I there's a, a couple of things, but like, I mean, uh, if we're talking about like TV and stuff like that, uh, as the show we just mentioned, Killing Eve, I which just finished its first season, I'm obsessed with it. I think it's brilliant and masterful and funny and sexy and sharp. Um, and it takes the spy thriller, uh, the spy cat and mouse thriller genre to a different place, I think. It stars uh, Sandra Oh as she works. She's an American working with the like British, British intelligence. intelligence. And I can't remember. A Jodie Comer. Jodie Comer plays this very sadistic uh unfeeling, unemotional serial killer, and it's about their sort of cat-and-mouse dance. It's right. really smart. Right. Yeah. And it's it's brilliant because both of these women finally recognize an equal in the other in some ways, and their brains both activate once they sort of see each other in this way. And I think that's, you know, just like an interesting even metaphor for roles for, you know, women, but also people who like generally don't feel like you finally get an adversary to like really wrestle with. Yeah. And you know, Sandra Oh, I think has been waiting a long time in her career for a a good part, you know, just like a, a part that's worthy of her talents. And so you can really just see her sink her teeth into this part and it's just incredible to watch. I love it. Um you also yeah. did a didn't you do an interview with her? I did do an interview. It was with her. great. We'll, we'll we can link to it in the show notes. But <laughs> it was yeah, that was a great interview, and she's wonderful, and I hope to interview her someday. Yeah, <laughs> she's lovely. Tiffany, what about you? Okay, should I talk about the movie or the podcast? I have two that are in my mind. You oh, pick. Uh, a movie or a podcast. <laughs> I like this. Um, <laughs> more, what, quizzes. Yeah. Yeah, more quizzes. Why don't we go with a podcast? Okay. They're not my competition anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, do you know? Do you all know the podcast Dissect? No. Um, it's a man who his name escapes me right now. Um, Cole Cucina really, really delves deep into a certain artist's uh, discography. And one season is Kanye, which I did not listen to. And another season is Kendrick Lamar. This current season is all about Frank Ocean. Ooh. And he did um, one episode just on Frank starting out as an artist. Uh, another episode... Um, there are going to be, I think, six on Channel Orange and then eight on Blonde. And I think there was one episode on Nostalgia Ultra. Hmm. Anyway, he almost breaks it down line by line, lyrics wise, um, song by song. And if you are a fan of Frank Ocean and if you're not and you start then you'll start to realize really how brilliant this man is as an artist. You start to realize his love for cinema and how narrative his songs are and how like cinematic they are you start to realize just the depth of his writing and the emotion that goes into everything you start to frame things about him being a black queer man in a certain space and getting into hip-hop and what that must be like to be in a world that you 
traditionally and still or many ways are not welcomed as, but yet still gaining the respect of all of the greatest people currently working in music. It is inspiring on every level to me, and I'm addicted to this podcast, and I, and I just love hearing all about Frank. Well, Frank um, had to move out of New Orleans after Katrina. He moved to L.A. with no money, um, just trying, just off the talent just off of his sheer, sheer talent, becoming a name for himself, writing for Beyonce and writing for all these other people. And now he's in a place where he has complete autonomy artistically. And he's done so many things that artists dream that they can do. And being a person who is just so, just defies so many rules. And it's just like my favorite thing in the world. Right now. I kind of want to know what the film is. You don't need to go into it. But what was the film? High Noon, 1952, Fred Zinnemann. Yes, um, I just think that, movie. yeah, I just think that Kathy Hurado in it does a lot of things that could not have been done by any Latina um, in there classic film. There's a Latina in High Noon? Yeah, Kathy Hurado. Well, it's a Western. There's always at least one. Yeah, there's always, or. <laughs> no, or like a Native American. Like, right. It's, or, like, yeah, if it's she's, like, yeah. yeah, it's it's an other, but they usually don't have the lines that she has, the um, yeah, independence that she has in this movie. Time. She com- she makes every decision herself completely in- independent, and she saves herself. Well, these are all great recommendations. I hope listeners will check them out. I know, well, I've already watched Killing Eve, and I'm eagerly awaiting the second season. <sighs> but I, I will definitely plan on checking out Vita and Dissect. And thank you all. Thank you, Aisha. Yeah. This has been yeah. so fun. This has been such a good podcast. Your work has been amazing in every way. So thank you. Thank you. And we're so excited for what you are going to yes. do next. Thanks. Me too. But I'm also sad to leave this. But I am honestly like really just so thankful that you all have taken the time out to come here and talk with us on several occasions. And listeners should go back and listen to those conversations if you're new to the show. You're late, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, there's there's still this conversation will never end. Yeah. Uh, it will keep going. So it's great to have you all, and thank you. That was so much fun. I love all three of them, and I'm so glad that they were able to make it. And that final twist, <laughs> the first attempt at me trying to give you a surprise. <laughs> Well, I mean, I was surprised because I didn't know it was going to happen. But at the same time, I did feel like that was actually the way it should have been. Yeah. <laughs> just, But like I said, I didn't want to give them homework. I was like, it was such short notice. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now it's the three of us, Marissa, Verilyn, and myself. One thing, I mean, I've heard this story, but I think our listeners would love to hear is, Verilyn and Aisha, how did you two first meet? So there was an email on a on a listserv that I saw about a person that was doing a new podcast and it was on representation in film and television. And I remember reading it thinking, this is exactly <laughs> all the things I think about all the time anyway. And um, I was put in contact with Aisha via email and she sent me like, you know, I sent my resume and she sent me like the sweet little like, you know, well, thank you so much. Like we'll be in touch. And then a few days, and honestly, not to be cocky, but like, I knew that I was a perfect person for this job. And so (laughs) I just needed you to know that. (laughs) And I think I, at some point, you told me you had just moved to Bed-Stuy. And before working at Slate, I used to work for Brooklyn Deep, which was based in (laughs) Bed-Stuy. So I was like, okay, great. I'm going to just like invite her to dinner. (laughs) 
<laughs> and she's gonna meet me and she's gonna love me and it's gonna this is gonna work out and so I remember when I was writing that email to invite you to dinner I remember thinking that either you're going to like jump at it immediately or you're gonna think that I was really weird because <laughs> Wait, why would I think you were weird? Because I think it was kind of like it, it, like almost. I don't know. I had never really done something like that. Because usually when I'm applying for a job, I have some kind of in. Like it's a friend of a friend of a friend. Yeah. And this was the first time I was applying for a job where I had no connection to you in any like remote way. Like we had no. Not, now I know we have friends in common, but at the time I I didn't know that we had any friends in common. I think I I emailed John catch him because i saw you both were friends on facebook oh yeah <laughs> and i emailed him and i was like john i'm gonna need you to like can you just put in a good word with aisha and at the time i didn't even know john that well i knew his wife so it was like so many layers <laughs> yeah i'm <of, laughs> trying to get to you and so when i finally sent that email to invite you to dinner i just because i had been thinking about it so much that it, that maybe that's my my like self-consciousness of it being weird but i guess it wasn't weird it's funny because like i didn't really think of it like Obviously, it, it was is a job yes. that you get paid for. Yes. But I wasn't really thinking about it in that sense. So I think that's why I didn't consider it to be weird. If if I thought of myself as some sort of boss, maybe I would have would have thought like, why is she inviting me to dinner? That's not something you do. But um, it, it, yeah, I don't think that ever really crossed my mind. It's just like, oh, OK, sure. That makes sense because I wanted to you know, find some the right person anyway. And the best way to do that is just to talk, chat with someone. And it doesn't have to be come to the office. Especially at first, right? I mean, it was just the two of you for so long. Right. I imagine that even though, you know, you're working professionally, it's also very personal. Mm-hmm. Right. We can actually, too, so, like, I, I get the sense now that I've worked with you that maybe it was important to you to have a black woman producing you. Yes, but did you verbalize that to Slate? Were you like, yes. okay. <laughs> yes, I did. And actually, so Ann Hepperman, who was at Slate at the time, uh, she was a producer at Slate. She actually floated your name out. I'm not sure how you knew Ann. Ann and I worked together at WNYC. Right. And so Ann was actually the one that who was, who was put on for producing in the very early stages of Represent. And she, you know, I told her I was like, um, I thought she was great. And obviously she was experienced and, and had everything. And obviously, no offense, but she wasn't a white man. So her being a woman was great. But I did also say, like, specifically, we had a conversation, we had a very frank conversation. And she also agreed. She was like, yes, I want you to have a woman of color on this show as well. And I also expressed it to Slate. And I think that Anne is actually who really helped make you coming here happen. Mm. But one one thing I will say is, you know, and not to get mushy, I'm not even looking at you right now. But I think like that is, it's so, you know, like even in thinking about representation and like how people get put on and why things are the way that it is, is because the people that have been in decision-making power put on their friends and people tend to hire people that look like them or people that are already in their circle and so it is such like the fact that you are getting a new show and you made that that like strategic move that so many people make I think it's like I'm so grateful one and then also like just how generous you've been with your platform I remember when Underground came up and I remember I was I I watched every episode. I was really into it, and I was like for months trying to get Aisha to watch it. 
And she was like, no to slavery. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I'm sure it's a very fine show. I just was not in the space for dealing with slavery at that point. Fair. And then season two was coming up and we get an email about Journey. Journey (laughs) Smollett. Journey Smollett to come on the show. And... It was so, I was like, so like, oh my gosh, we have to do this. And Aisha was just looking at me like, I'm not watching the show. And and I and I definitely wasn't going to be binge watching like yes. 12 episodes yeah. in, you know, two days before they wanted to do the interview. Yeah. And then the moment that you were just like, well, do you want to do it? And I remember thinking to myself like, wow, I don't think anyone else I've ever worked with have ever has ever been that generous with their platform. Hmm. You know, I, I hadn't thought about it that way. I I knew how much you loved it, and I also recognized that the show for like a segment of the population is very big, and also it's Journey Smollett, and like I've loved her ever since Selma Lord Selma, <laughs> and, and also Full House, but Selma Lord Selma. I remember she played um, this little girl who is kind of <laughs> she's this plucky little girl who tr- <laughs> tries to make Martin Luther King do things. Like, oh, I do. Remember that? It was like I an do. ABC Yeah, Disney. I watched it. No, I watched it for the first time to prep for that interview, though. Yeah, <laughs> she was so cute. But of course, the blue, um, Eve's Bayou. Oh, and also, how can I forget Eve's Bayou? Yeah. Not every night he not. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, we can't not have her on the show yeah. if they're literally offering her up. Uh, like, yeah, so we, didn't add, we didn't reach out. Yeah. So the fact that they reached out to us... And it was her and who was the other cast member? Oh, uh, Amira Van. You couldn't not have them on together yeah. and, and do that show. But I think it's like, it's a testament to like, and this is something that I think about a lot. Like, no one can do what I do. And so therefore, there's no need to like hoard things. And I think like, just as we're three women right now in this room, and I think like that is something that, you know, it's hard to live that way when you don't always feel it back. And so I feel like what I'm going to miss most about our like partnership is like knowing that that is a genuine thing that both of us kind of like live by. Um, It's not something that I've ever felt before in a professional setting. Yeah. Same. And I also, I think a part of that, I mean, I'm just going to go say it. I've never really worked with a black woman (laughs) as intimately as I work with you. You hear my voice so much i'm sorry no it's (laughs) It's like hours on hours Hours and hours and hours of aisha in my head and it's funny because like even now i'm just like i already know what i need you to re-say because i you know like just like go ahead say it because you not you're not gonna it's not gonna work so i'm gonna need you to re-say it (laughs) um so thank you i guess is what i'm saying like i'm like i don't i know for sure i probably would not be working as late if it wasn't for you right um and I think that says a lot as organizations try to diversify. And I feel like every time I say that, there's like a, a fairy. <laughs> uh, I think they need to think about that, right? And I think that you lived it. So, I'm. That's I'm. I I I do count as one of my prouder moments of, of working at Slate is being able to bring on a black female producer onto this like platform. Because it's definitely needed. We need more, um, obviously. So, yes, thank you. And thank you for being so awesome. 
and hmm. Marissa. <laughs> I'm just sitting here taking it in. Marissa, so much love you, right now in the studio. I mean, you've been with us now. We were trying to figure out how long it's been. I feel like it's been around a year. Maybe a little uh, bit. I feel like it's been longer than a year. It, I think, well, okay, so I also tried to figure this out <laughs> to some success. Uh, I remember it was around the time I had just written about representation, um, specifically around like Ghost in the Shell and mm-hmm. Iron Fist oh. and the excuses that right. people make for casting white actors in roles that should go to people of color. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the piece where after that, uh, you guys had been looking for someone to help out with social, uh, and Marilyn approached me. And yeah, yeah, I can't believe it's. I thought it was longer than that, but I yeah. guess not. But can you tell listeners a little bit about like just wh- what you do? We shout you out at the end of every, every episode, episode, but <laughs> I realize like some people might not know what exactly your role is, which is not at all an insignificant role. It is a very, very valuable role. And, sure, I mean, I'm yeah. happy to be sort of behind the scenes and lurking from the shadows. Um, but I run represents Facebook and Twitter feeds. Um, so usually that involves making sure that information about what we're going to be covering is available to listeners uh, before it happens. I also edit the show page. Oh, so inter- I was so like, so eternally grateful that you do that. <laughs> she often comes back with a better title and then I'll go in really quickly and change it in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that's actually I think my favorite part of my job is like late Thursday night or early Friday morning. I get an email from Verilyn with the show and like a brief description and then I get to decide like what the headline will be yes. um, so yes that's even more than like moderating our Facebook comments I think that uh, is probably my favorite part I actually because that is part of my job I noticed that some of our listeners heard the last episode and realized this is going to be the last one and so we got some really nice comments I thought mm. I'd read a few yeah. yes. um, one of our Facebook regulars Edward Mitchell writes, so sad to see Aisha and Verilyn and the representation go. Thank you for all the lessons and the work. Hashtag congratulations. Thanks, Edward. Uh, Danielle on Twitter wrote, Slate Represent is ending, and then there are some very sad-looking emojis. (laughs) I'm going to miss these conversations about media. I love Aisha's voice. She used your handle rather than your name. but. (laughs) And then also on Twitter, uh, Joanna wrote about your move to the New York Times. She wrote, congratulations, Aisha. I've treasured Slate Represent, so I hope it'll continue in some form. But warm wishes to work on whatever excites you most. Thanks, Joanna and Danielle and Edward. Honestly, like we've had some really dedicated listeners. One of them who, one of, she's just amazing. Wendy Gaskell. Wendy. Always comments. Hi, Wendy. So great. (laughs) We love you, Wendy. (laughs) Always comments. She always tweets at me. She even occasionally has sent me emails. She's just a delight. And she, you know, she's a, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but I think in one of her first interactions with me, she's like, I'm a middle-aged white woman and I love your show. And it's like those types of comments that I'm just like, oh, like, Mm -hmm. that's really nice to hear. And she's just always cheerleading and all that stuff so she's one of our mvps yes. <laughs> thank you wendy for being there and for listening and also sarah j palm who is also known as pop culty on yes. twitter 
has transcribed quite a few of our episodes for, uh, I forget what the reason, she, so she sent an email, I remember, offering to transcribe them, and we are like, we can't pay you, and we really appreciate it, because she has, I think, a sibling or a cousin? I think she has a cousin who's deaf or hard of hearing. Right. Uh, and she actually remembered, because you had interviewed Marley Matlin, uh, which was such a fun interview, but one of the things that you mentioned in that interview is that our podcast is typically inaccessible to people who are deaf or hard of hearing right. because we just don't have the resources to transcribe every episode. Uh, and so, yes, that was great to start having some some transcriptions. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much, Sarah. We really appreciate it. I mean, speaking of the topic of the disabled community, I mean, Marissa, you were really helpful for yes. a lot of the episodes that we've done in sort of advising us on and suggesting things for us to talk about with regards to disabilities. Sure. Yeah. I mean, my mom is blind, um, so I'm definitely more aware of issues that affect the disabled community. But I also just think that when we generally speak about representation, Usually it's about race, sexuality, and gender. And I think disability often gets left out of the conversation. Uh, and not just, you know, all kinds of disability, neurodiversity, mental health. Um, so, it, yeah, it was really exciting to me. I started around the time of the Marley Matlin interview. Um, and especially for a show like Atypical, um, which is one of my favorite yeah. segments that Represent has done. Um, Atypical had an autistic main character played by a non-autistic actor, very few autistic people involved in the show, and there was a lot of talk on social media within the autistic community about how there were no autistic voices involved in the conversation or even in the criticism, and so represent that was just such a great space for that conversation to take place, to have autistic critics come on and really talk about the issues at stake. Yeah. I... I have to say, like, especially with regards to that, um, that topic, it definitely, as much as I like to think of this show as like an educational one for listeners, like that is probably where I've learned the most because mm -hmm. I, I, admittedly, I started with the lowest amount of knowledge and with regards to disabilities because I don't deal with that on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, so I really learned a lot from that and, and, you know, learning about things language, the way people want to be referred to, and how things have changed, how things have not. And I think those conversations were really helpful. And I, yeah, I wish we could have done more of them. Yeah. And you also helped us with the language for putting it in our bio. Oh, yes. Yes. When yeah. I started, uh, our social bios were a podcast for people of color, uh, people in the LGBT community, and women. women. Yeah. Um, so I... I, as soon as Marley Matlin went up, I was like, people with disabilities. Yeah. yeah. In there. So I've got a couple more questions for both of you. The first one I'll ask is, what do you have like a favorite moment from the show? Ooh. That's a big question. I know. I mean, I just. Whatever I the first thing that pops into your head. I mean, I mentioned the atypical conversation. Right. Which was great. Marley Matlin was surreal. I mean, that was the first episode that I sat in on. The taping. I oh, yes, I remember that. And yeah. we had her. It was remote. Uh, she was not in the studio. And she had her um, interpreter. 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 Thank you, guys. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, she had her interpreter, you know, interpreting. And I remember right at the beginning, she made a joke about how, you know, she doesn't do radio much because she can't hear it. Um, and I, it, she's such a legend. And that was mm. so incredible. And that interview is really compelling and interesting. Uh, in the way that it 
goes all the way back and reaches back to her Oscar speech and brings it into today in her TV roles. Um, so, yeah, that was a fun one for me. Mm-hmm. What about you, Verilyn? Um, I'm going to say two for two different reasons. Okay. My first one was Rada Blank. <laughs> <laughs> that rap. <laughs> yeah, and I remember when she, well, she said she was a rap. Oh, so Rada Blank, who was one of the writers on um, the Netflix series, She's Gotta Have It. And I remember, well, first of all, we had her on... The week after we had a, a segment where Aisha and Erin Evans, who's over at Mike. Mike.com, had basically like said they didn't like it. They didn't like the show. Well, no, she, no, no. she was. She says she didn't, she like, didn't it. like it. I was more of a fan. We more of but a fan. We, we did. We had some criticisms. Yeah. Yeah. So I was already kind of like, oh, my gosh, what is she? It's, did she hear that episode? Like I was a little bit like on and she edge, had, I think. And I think she had heard it. <laughs> and she but had, she was I such think. a breath of fresh air. <laughs> she did, was already a fan of Represent. So she was like a fan of Aisha, which was great. And then towards the end, she was telling us that she's a rapper. And of course, when someone tells you they're a rapper, you're like, well, go ahead and rap something for us. And I was on edge because I was like, oh, my God, what if it's bad? Like, (laughs) (laughs) What are we going to do? And she killed it. It was amazing. And it definitely, for me, is like one of those, you know, because I think like conversations often when you're when you're listening to a podcast, nothing happens in the podcast, especially Mm -hmm. for chat shows. Like nothing happens like you don't. A, a thing is not happening so the fact that she that was revealed to us and then she rapped was just like podcast magic we just got an email just the other day actually from yeah. a listener who is catching up with the show for the first time <laughs> and they commented on how much they love the rap so yes. it's it's a good it's a good freaking rap yes. <laughs> and then um you know going to interview barry jenkins the director of moonlight was definitely wait 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 are we are we mentioning Moonlight again? We can mention it's the last show, so you knew Moonlight. Moonlight, was Moonlight, familiar. <laughs> Moonlight, 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 Moonlight. After forgot is amazing, Marilyn. <laughs> oh my god, how many times has Moonlight come? I actually the interview that we put out last Friday, Nikki Yatu um, also, mentioned, also Moonlight. mentioned Moonlight, and I was just like, I have to cut this out. <laughs> For time and also because we we said that we wouldn't talk about Moonlight. Um, and now that I'm thinking about Justin Simeon also mentioned Moonlight. So yep. we, we've already broke this rule. But um, <laughs> but this going, I, so at the time, you know, it was the beginning of the Moonlight. Everyone was watching it one by one. And I remember seeing it and just being like, this is, this is going to change the game. And we got the interview and we went. And I was also a little bit... Um, like just from a producer standpoint I was like what are we going to give people that everyone else isn't going to give right because at that point I think he had been on Code Switch or he was about to be on Code Switch he'd been on a few he'd been on a few podcasts but it was still early enough in the like the movie hadn't come out yet yeah so it was still early enough where he wasn't already deep into all the interviews like he'd done a few but but, like the ones that I listened to so he was like black Black podcast world. He had done one or two. Yeah. And I rem- so I was like also like just from a professional standpoint, like we have to- I want to make sure that we're asking questions that other people haven't already asked them. And I think like, you know, Aisha, because she like and I've always I'm always impressed by like that moment where people realize that Aisha knows her shit. Like that moment where people think they're gonna go and have a typical interview, and there's like, oh, like you watched my first movie from blah blah blah, yeah. like whatever. <laughs> uh, so there was like one of those moments, and I think he had been um, a part of your black film, um, black movie canon, right? When uh, we when we first met him, actually, and went to do the interview, he's like, 
he I went to shake his hand. He's like, no, you get a hug because you put, you put me on the cannon. Yeah, he was like, thank you for putting me on that list. Yeah, I, he was like really excited. Right, he, we had put medicine for melancholy on the black film cannon yeah. at Slate, and he was just so happy. And so yeah. that was a, that was such a great interview. I spent like three months getting that interview to happen. Three months back and forth with publicists because oh. I had heard from a friend of mine who works at A twenty four, which produced the movie. He was like. Look, this movie's gonna be big. It's great. It's Barry Jenkins. He did Medicine for Men. I was like, yes, I know. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, can you hook me up? And I, like, I think it was July. I reached out and I was like, I just want to get on your radar. I know the movie does not come out for a while, but I want to get on wow. your radar. And we want this on the show. And so it was three months of me following wow. up, like, hey. So just following up, <laughs> just following up. You're on sure you my radar. Me, just making sure. And then we finally got it. And I was like, wow. thank goodness we got it. And wow. then and then it was not ready for a bunch of Oscars. And I was like, yeah. I can say that we got him before he got too big yeah. to be on this show. That actually leads me to one of my questions. Yes. And this is a question for both of you. Dream guest. Let's say you had one more oh. guest. It can be anyone you want who's working right now. I already know who Aisha's going to say. Who am I going to say? Ava DuVernay. Mm. Yes, but, <laughs> but I was. Al- knows. But I was also well. I was also gonna say um, Shonda would be great. Oh yeah, Shonda would be good. So Shonda, final answer, Shonda. Well, I look. I watched twelve seasons of Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> so, um, and I read her book. I don't. Yeah. I don't read a Self- lot of memoir or you know those types of books. Yeah. yeah. My final answer is 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 Shonda. What about you, Verlin? Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, I was, I kind of low-key have been trying. (laughs) I I tried to. I tried to pull some strings because I knew someone who knew someone who knew someone. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just because, I mean, her career, I know she has some stories. I just, man, and she doesn't hold back. And I just have so many questions for her. She was Seely in The Color Purple. Is she, yeah, she was Sister, you know, in Sister Rag, which is one of my favorite films. I've already told you this story, Verilyn, but you like to, you, you want me to tell personal stories on the show, <laughs> and so now I'm doing it. And I've told you this, but Sister Act 2 is the only reason I know any gospel <laughs> music whatsoever. <laughs> Because my mom bought the soundtrack. We listen to it yes. all the time. So I know, oh, happy day. Joyful, joyful. <laughs> Although I know the joyful, joyful because of the the montage, or not the montage, the medley at the end. At the end, yeah. <laughs> you done with G-O-D? Yeah, yeah you, you know, know me. me. <laughs> it's the only gospel music I can listen to. Their eyes oh, are on the spiral. Their eyes are, yes. <laughs> Every yes. black funeral and television ever. So food, that was the song they were playing. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And I know he's watching. Um, yeah, I Sister Act 2 is so good. So whoopie. How about you, Marissa? Oh, turn it around on me. Uh, hmm, my dream guest. I think my dream guest, I'm going to cheat because it's my question, so I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> I would like to do, I would like to hear an episode of Represent where Aisha spoke to the women of Star Trek. Ooh. Uh, Sonequa Martin-Green, uh, Kate Mulgrew. Just sort of going back, um, especially with Star Trek Discovery coming around this time. Um, it Sonequa Martin Green is fantastic. The show itself wound up killing off a lot of its female characters. Oh god! But I just think that it's as a franchise that's been revolutionary in inclusivity and representation. Mm. It would be that'd be my dream conversation to sit on. You know, I've never seen an episode of Star Trek. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I would coach you. Okay, so I have a couple of really quick 
uh, favorite moments. I don't think I said them yet. Um, one of them was when Pamela Adlon brought Aww. me a pickle from Juniors. <laughs> she just enters Pamela Adlon, Ugh. the star and creator of Better Things on FX, which if you haven't watched, please do, because it's still, to me, one of the best shows on and has TV it been right sullied now. by the whole Louis C.K.? Well, Louis's not in it. He's not in it, but he's one of the creators. Yeah, but he... I'm, this I'm not very, saying This I, very much feels like her show. Yes. Um, I don't... And even then, it's like... No, I don't. It, it's not sullied for me. I think that she is very smart, and that episode and that those moments, she, like she literally came in with pickles from Juniors. Mm. <laughs> She's like, "Here, do you want a pickle?" I was like, "She made sure. us not. She didn't want us to turn on the light, so it was dark in there when you were talking to her." Yeah, she was like, "I just wanted to feel a little more intimate." <sighs> and then at She's the actually end, one of my favorite. Yeah, and then yeah. she and she was telling us about how one of her daughter's friends yeah. just thought of her as like basically an aunt or a second mother, like a second mom, and would just talk to her. Like, she read a letter her. or something, a text. Yeah, a yeah. text was a text. It was just really sweet. And I think she was crying by the end of it. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is... I think I was crying by the end of it. Yeah. Aisha was not crying. <laughs> but I was really touched on the inside. Ireland's <laughs> like the narrator who comes in. Aisha was not crying. <laughs> she wasn't. Um, yeah, that was great. Jaime Camille. Oh, yes. Who just, what a great interview. He And the fact that he... So it's really hard a lot of times to get people to be that candid over the phone. Yes. He, or he wasn't... He was in the studio in LA. He, he wasn't here. And, you know, there there is a huge difference between having someone in the flesh and having someone mm-hmm. in, in the mm-hmm. studio. Mm-hmm. And with that, I think that might be one of the most connect... Like, probably the most connected I felt with anyone who wasn't in the room with me. Yeah. And he just let loose, and I was I was so thankful for his candidness. Yeah, another moment where something happened, right? Yeah. So like him talking to you and it being so transparent about, you know, I think he mentioned that his daughter just went through something she medically, was some sort of health. Issues. Yeah, had a health issue, and like you know him ex- explaining that's why he feels so emotional right now. And I just been being like, ugh, you know, and then re-listening to the rest of that interview with that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I thought I I couldn't love you anymore. I know, um, but I do now. Yeah, and my my last one is probably Koganata, the director mm, of mm, Columbus. Oh, your bay, <laughs> my apparent bay, because no less than three different listeners after that episode drops were like, "Oh my god, you guys were so cute together." They're like shipping us, yeah. <laughs> essentially, and I. We did have like really good banter. Mm-hmm. Like he from film nerd to film nerd. Yeah. And another moment where I feel like he went in making assumptions about who you were and then he had a moment where he's like, Oh, she knows her ish. Like You said Miss Onsen. Yeah, I said <laughs> and I just, everything changed. <laughs> yeah, I use I use like nerdy film school uh <laughs> term of mise en scène, which is basically just describing what you see on the screen, the setting, the the placement of you know things on the screen and he and i think i think after the interview he was like once i heard you say that <laughs> i was like oh she she she's a nerd too yes. and it, and then it like switches mm-hmm. it, it's funny because like you realize all of these all of these people that we're interviewing have so many 
they're this is not their only interview obviously yeah, yeah. They're, and they're just a lot some of them are like doing back to back and i could you know i could be larry wilmore remember when we interviewed larry which was just a big that was one of our biggest gets in the beginning right right and I, right I, after the nightly show was canceled mm-hmm. and i think he was doing like literally back to back calls yeah yeah but and it can and sometimes you connect with them and then sometimes you don't because they're just on a whirlwind tour mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and it's nice when you do get to connect and yeah. I felt that with him and even Hurry Kondabolu yeah. like you know he was a great interview and he afterwards I'm gonna toot my own horn but he was like thank you that this yeah. was a great interview like I, I, I do all these other always interviews ends. I mean this is the time to toot yeah, your yeah this own is horn. the time everyone <laughs> we'll always toot it for you if you want <laughs> everyone always <laughs> ends with like thank you that was a great conversation sometimes I have to cut it out because it feels like I'm putting it on but I left it in both I don't know if you I'm sure you haven't listened yet but the interview with Nikki Atu and Leslie Harris they both say thank you afterwards like everyone always says thank you but not in like a thank you for having me but like thank you for that conversation yeah which yeah. is like such like the highest praise that's what it I is. like about as a listener of Represent, in addition to working on the show, is just that the conversations are always, they always take interesting turns and it's not the usual press junket, same information over and over. It's much more candid. Yeah. I mean, I, I Slate in general, we don't do press junkets. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not our thing. Like, we don't want to waste anyone's time and, and we're not about doing a short five minute interview in which you get asked the same three questions yeah. that you're always asked and uh, is and yes it's about plugging whatever you're working on but it's also about like really talking about what you're working on and and I felt like that with Greta Gerwig too that was yeah like she was very like she she looks at you like she actually looks at you when you're talking to her like wow. you can feel like her being fully there and present mm-hmm. and, and I appreciated that so before we come to an end, I want to give a shout out to a few people who helped with the show. First of all, first off, of course, Marissa, who has been such a huge, <laughs> huge asset to the show. And also my my editor, my current editor, Forrest Wickman, who Forrest. is Slate's culture editor. He kind of took up the, the position informally of being an advisor to the show mm-hmm. and has really like always offered great advice um ideas for themes for people we should talk to he, if a article comes up he, he if something comes up in the news he'll send an article and be like this is like might be good for represent really fantastic thank you for us and of course steve lichtai steve. who you know greenlit the show basically <laughs> him and julia turner yeah, yeah. slate's editor-in-chief they have been very helpful as well and supportive and also you know, the ad team <laughs> who sells the ads. Uh, who else? So many people yeah. have, have helped. Everyone on the culture team has contributed in some way, small or big. Yeah, all the Slate writers and staff that have come on to do a pre-woke. Yes, pre-woke. <laughs> yeah. Now a video series. Now, now a video a, series. Now a video series. Yeah. And, and yeah, and and Faith Smith and yeah. and uh, Kirsten Holtz yeah. who helped with events, all and the live shows, all the live shows, and yeah, there's been like this is obviously you know I think Verlin and myself worked the most closely with the show on a regular basis, obviously, but it's 
this did not happen by mm-hmm. just us two. So thank you to everyone. And we can't forget June, who um, is mm-hmm. our um, Slate senior managing producer, who is also my desk mate. And every once in a while, I'll turn around and complain or bitch about something. And then she'll give me some encouraging words in her delightful voice. <laughs> and I'll turn back around and continue editing. <laughs> So I guess this is the end of our present. Yes. And of course, thank you to everyone for listening. Like, really. Otherwise, yeah. the show wouldn't have existed if no one tuned in. Honestly, like, we, we found the sweet spot to quote an Anika Nani Rose. Every time I say sweet spot, I think of her interview. Anika, another, <laughs> another, another great, great interview. <laughs> oh, man. She, I was also, like, slightly starstruck by her, too, because she's striking. She's striking, and also she's just so talented. Her story about, as an aside, her story about the screening of Princess and the Frog um, for an audience of little Irish children. Yes. <laughs> like, as soon as I heard that, I got on Slack and was like, Verilyn, I'm going to need an audiogram of that <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's unacceptable that it is not on social media already. <laughs> Where she does, like, the little Irish accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and thank you, Marissa, for always listening to the episodes. Like yeah. by the next morning, as most of the time, um, I think it's like a it's one of those things where like you, I obsess over the small details, and so it's been nice to have someone that like pays attention to my obsessive compulsive behavior. Oh, well, I was a fan of the show before I started working on the show, and it has been so fun and so rewarding. <sighs> I'm gonna miss you guys. I'm gonna miss you too. Oh. I'm going to miss the show. I'm going to miss the show, too. One last shout out to, of course, Midtown Social. Who, <gasps> yes! Who, who is actually Ari, my <laughs> my fiance's brother's band. And everyone should check out their music. Um, they're great, funky, San Francisco funk soul band. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah. Grand opening, grand closing. Cut! I don't know why, but I was struck with a sudden urge to start singing Goodbye, Love from Rent. It's been a very musical episode. Goodbye, love. Goodbye, love. That's the outro. (laughs)